For the week of March 1st, 2020, this is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into every Star Wars TV and Disney Plus streaming series, as well as all the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. Today, we are talking about the second episode of the seventh and final season of The Clone Wars, and to help me with this is John. Now, John, what did you think about this episode? This was another solid, if not familiar, episode. Uh, like we touched on last week, I'm a little bit ruined for these first few episodes because of those uh, work-in-progress versions that dropped a few years ago. But this is solid. This is as good as, you know, typical Clone Wars. So as familiar as it was, I was happy to see the finished polished up version, see where they kind of switched things up a bit and swapped out a few scenes. So I had a lot of fun with it. I am enjoying where the show is going and I'm just loving how glorious uh, these episodes look, you know, in their final mastered version. So as always excited to jump into it. Yeah, that is something that I've just loved getting back to is this Clone Wars animation that was so unique at the time for Star Wars. And of course, we're back to this, uh, this, this style. I'm excited to get into mm. it. So let's go ahead and get into this episode. Excellent. Season seven, episode two, a distant echo. Last week, Rex teamed up with the Bad Batch to infiltrate Trench's cyber center to shut down the algorithm that predicted the Republic's battle tactics, and in doing so, found out that Echo was still alive. Mm -hmm. Or so we thought. Or so we thought. So, the Jedi fortune cookie for this episode is the search for truth begins with belief. Now, of course, this is a a little uh, tie-in to Rex looking for echo and i guess that is what he's searching for is the truth as to whether or not echo is alive and he believes he's alive that's kind of my takeaway from this fortune cookie and how it connects well right out of the gate we get a little bit of back and forth where they're questioning whether it's strategically smart or if it makes sense to go out on a limb and and do this mission based on a hunch Mm -hmm. But if they're going to get to the bottom of it and, you know, potentially rescue their comrade, someone has to have that leap of faith. So obviously Rex is the true believer in this situation. And, you know, by the time we get to the end, obviously, you know, his, his suspicions were warranted. Yeah. And Rex is of course, very gung ho to figure out the truth. And he does truly believe that Echo is out there alive and he's really pushing Anakin to do what Anakin does best, which is, uh, not necessarily disobey the orders of the sure. of the council, but to uh, speed up the process a bit instead of right. waiting for Obi-Wan. Let's go ahead and get going. So yeah. what did you think about Rex kind of playing into Anakin's uh, normal habits here? Well, the show kind of spells it out, right? Because we have a scene coming up where Padme is kind of pointing out to Anakin that really, you know, he learned from the best. If, if someone's going to shoot from the hip and play a little fast and loose and just be like governed by their passions and, uh, you know, really just want to forge ahead, even if it doesn't seem like the most strategic or logical move, that's kind of Anakin's wheelhouse. And so he's encouraged to embrace it. it so it is kind of nice that, um, you know, they're, they're, they're just kind of casting a light on uh, how uh, a general can sort of shape you know, his, his troops and, and sort of how that's proven effective for Anakin in the past. So why wouldn't he give the benefit of the doubt to one of his soldiers that really has a, 
uh, a strong need, you know, to, to resolve this. So, uh, I, I think that was a fun way to frame it. Like, are you really going to just let go uh, and not be in control and put your trust in someone that has the same level of passion that you normally have? Uh, I thought that was a nice way to, to kick things off. Yeah, and speaking of Padme, I thought mm. this was very interesting. <laughs> this is something that has been discussed amongst the fan base and those that watch the Clone Wars. Right. Uh, I can remember getting involved, or not me getting involved, but reading over a couple of uh, Reddit uh, feeds about whether or not Rex knew about Anakin and Padme. Well, here we have it. Rex officially knows about Anakin and Padme's relationship here. So I really enjoyed uh, seeing this on the Clone Wars. There's no more speculation about it because what the Clone Wars has taught us is that Anakin and Padme's relationship isn't the the best hidden because we have, of course, Ahsoka who senses it because she sees their interactions all the time. And then obviously Obi-Wan is sensing uh, some some uh, some stuff going on that, that's outside of the, the Jedi way here. And now there's Rex, who's kind of... I, I enjoyed this because a question that we always had was how did how'd they have this relationship in the middle of a war? How were they able to, you know, build a relationship throughout all this? And so we have it. They were talking to each other while Anakin was away and Rex was the one watching out. So how'd you, how'd you think about all of this, how it played out um, with a nice little like subtle Anakin saying, no, we got to take care of that one thing right. first. Yeah. I, I like that they confirm that not only does Rex know about the relationship, but he's actually bored by it. Like at this point, it's just a hindrance. Like this is just this annoying thing that I have to do because my general, you know, forces me to, you know, be on the watch while he wants to, you know, Skype with his girlfriend. Um, I, I like how, yeah, trivial it seems to him. What I really like though, is how nicely they brought this to a head with Obi-Wan. Like, I think that's the more burning question rather than whether one of your underlings knows about it. You know, this is, this is your mentor. This is the person who could make or break you in the Jedi order, right? Like he, he's, uh, on the council. Mm -hmm. So that's not the sort of person that you want to catch wind of your heresy. So like there's, uh, that, that was the more intriguing moment to me Mm -hmm. was, Obi-Wan making it perfectly clear that you're not fooling anyone, Anakin. Like, you know, yeah. you can play these games, but I've been on to you for a while. Uh, so that I, I thought was a really nice way to bring that to head because we know in short order, when Revenge of the Sith comes about that Obi-Wan's first inclination when he's trying to track down Anakin is to go to Padme. Right. And yet they never spell out in the movies when it occurs to him that that would be the right move. You know, like, mm-hmm. why would he go to Padme if he's not aware that Anakin and Padme have a relationship? We've seen little hints of it through the Clone Wars, but this is the one that says, yeah, no, there's no pulling the wool over Obi-Wan's eyes. This is something that he's been allowing maybe because, uh, he, w- well, we know that, you know, he had his own, uh, would be relationship with Duchess Satine. And so maybe he's projecting a little bit, like he believes that maybe ultimately this is just a romance that Anakin will make the right call, you know, when the war is over, whatever, or maybe he feels that it's just not, you know, where his attention needs to be right now. But one way or another, Obi-Wan is allowing this to happen to, you know, tragic consequences, uh, inevitably, but, uh, it's just nice that the show is spelling it out so that when you watch Revenge of the Sith, you're not wondering like, what did I miss? You know, how did that happen? Yeah. And I also, uh, even adding on to that is, 
I didn't necessarily even read it as simply he is knowledgeable about it, but he's in a way supporting it because his comment to Anakin, where he's basically letting Anakin know, I know what you're doing. Yeah, like, you're not winking at me. Yeah. I know what you're doing, and I wish that you told her I said hello. Like, <laughs> so it's all this type of thing where he's, he's kind of in the mess himself. That, you know, like you said, we see how this all ends. Like, we know how this, this tragedy ends for this trio involved in this kind of secret love affair. Now it's even more involved in it. And so, yeah, it, it adds a layer to that where, yes, we are not wondering what's going on. To mm-hmm. me, that was the biggest takeaway of this entire episode. Yeah, this was a, a great scene. And I just think it was a really smart way to have it come about. There's nothing overt. It's not like Obi-Wan walks in on him. You know, it's left to your imagination to figure out exactly how Obi-Wan put the pieces together. But he indicates very clearly to Anakin that, you know, watch yourself. You're not as clever as you think you are when you're walking away from me all smug, thinking that you just pulled the wool over my eyes. There's a lot of subtext to this. And obviously we know where it's heading. So even more so that, you know, we, we know that there's calamity from everybody not saying what needs to be said here. So a very interesting scene. And interestingly enough, not part of the first draft. This was a replacement scene uh, for a scene that they ended up scrapping from the episode where uh, Anakin is like loading up with the Mm -hmm. troopers and there's a um, sort of like scantily clad picture of Padme on the wall of the ship and they're all kind of like ogling it. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's just kind of this um, silly scene of Anakin having to hold back his frustration and anger that these guys are ogling his wife and he can't like, you know, come to her aid or whatever. Uh, so yeah, she's kind of a, a pinup girl and, uh, they, I guess they pulled that out for maybe wokeness reasons and thought that this was a smarter scene to throw in. And for my money, I'd say it is. I think that this says a lot more. There's a lot more story in this scene than that kind of like throwaway joke scene. So, uh, this is good. This is a good second draft that they came up with for this. And then, of course, after Anakin concludes his conversation with Padme, he does what he was going to do in the first place, kind of, you know, uh, implies that the council is approving of this mission for him to go right. uh, with the, with this company of Rex and the Bad Batch to figure out what's going on with this algorithm. And more importantly, the mission is to stop it. And we see that Rex is kind of taken uh, to another level. It's like, no, I don't simply just want to stop this algorithm and stop this code being released to the separatists. I actually want to find my old friend i want to find mm-hmm. echo and that's really what he is uh driven by here in these next series of scenes that go down so i i really appreciated this dynamic because it is a very mature theme it's not it, it goes by very quickly because these episodes are so short but it does explain a lot what rex is doing and explains what the whole mission is going mm-hmm. to be in a very fast and natural way because it's like they're on their way walking to the ships and anakin is talking to him and saying like hey you need to be prepared that echo might not be alive right or that you could just be wrong about this whole thing. Like right. We're building this whole mission on an assumption. Yeah. So you, you got to understand that they could be walking into a trap or maybe, you know, he's out in left field. He's just letting his emotions get the better of him. But then the flip side of that is if one of your brothers is in peril and your assumption is that maybe he's being tortured or worse, or there's somehow they're getting this information out of him. If you have that lingering feeling that they're in harm's way and you can somehow do something about it, uh, a true hero, you know, they, they mm-hmm. couldn't 
they couldn't avoid the the calling of of needing to come to their brother's aid. So uh, it's neat that there's just so many competing agendas with this mission and what everyone wants out of it. And you know, they're telling Rex, you know, when it comes right down to it. We're, we're here for Intel. We're not here for echo. Right. So you got to keep your head in the game. Uh, so yeah, there's, I don't know. This is, this is just nice how they layered in, you know, so much, um, competition and motives. You don't usually get a lot of that. Usually there's a pretty clear through line with a mission. Uh, so this is nice because you never know if maybe it's going to turn at some point because someone's going to have to go rogue to follow their passions or not. So, uh, it's, it's a very compelling setup for this mission. And then, of course, the team, they figure out where the uh, transmission is coming from. It leads to a whole bunch of things like Anakin is taken. Uh, that That's whatever. But to me, I really liked <laughs> the the mechanisms of attack that the Bad Batch uses and how simple it is. Like, it's like rock slide. Okay, what is this going to look like? Oh, it actually is. You push down a rock and you right. slide behind it. <laughs> we see a lot from the Bad Batch where... Um... You, you get a sense that they've been on so many missions together that they've got a shorthand for how to collaborate and work together and use their various strengths. You know, we saw the maneuver last time where they build a barricade out of a, a piece of busted up ship and mm-hmm. use that as a, a launch pad to nuke all the, the invading droids. So yeah, these guys know how to get it done and they don't hesitate either. Like, even though we don't need to dwell on the whole, you know, dragon, uh, air chase aspect of the show. It's interesting that a trooper did not hesitate to right. throw a grappling line on a dragon and, uh, you know, go for a ride there. Uh, they're, they're very much, uh, in it to win it and they're just tried and true warriors. And you, yeah. you definitely get that sense that, yeah, there's nothing too audacious that they won't try to, to win the day. So, uh, f- certainly fun to watch. It's nice that they brought in troopers that can add some fresh spice to your typical clone trooper battle tactics. And then, of course, we we talked about last week how this is a very 1980s-esque kind of team, sure, kind of yeah. suicide squad, if you will. The thing I thought from last week w- that was missing was that there wasn't a skirmish between <laughs> the original team and this new team. Well, we got it this week. Uh, yeah, uh, the whole, you know, your, your mouth's right and checks your butt can't cash or whatever, like mm-hmm. throw down with, where tensions flare between the group or whatever. Yeah, so I, I just thought that that was a lot of fun seeing this all play out like we've yeah. seen it in so many of these 1980s movies. And I'm not saying that to say like this was a, a cheap knockoff of that, but it's like, you know, no, we had fun with this type of stuff. And we wanted to add it in here because that's really what these guys are inspired of. I mean, you have Rambo and and the Hulk right. on a team together. Yeah, it was just fun. There's more movie tropes for a reason, right? You you get these guys and they're all uh, testosterone and gung-ho warrior types. Of course, uh, all that aggression and and sort of like brute strength is going to uh, meet loggerheads. They're, they're going to have conflict. And so there is always, yeah, that uh, moment in, in one of those commando movies where everyone's kind of uh, like cooler heads have to like get between the two firebrands that are going at each other, or whatever. Like it's a trope, but it's an, it's a trope because it's effective and, you know, it, it helps to establish the characters and, you know, which ones are the hotheads and which ones are the ones that are going to end up causing trouble by going off script and, you know, don't follow the chain of command. Like you can still tell a lot of the story in those scenes when, when people, um, you know, when feathers get ruffled. So, uh, I was enjoying all this. I, I really like these characters and, and I think it's giving them a lot of opportunity to play up these tropes that maybe we haven't seen as much in the clone wars because the clones by their nature, unless, you know, one of them goes rogue or whatever has a defect, they're supposed to, you know, really be mm-hmm. into the chain of command. Like they're actually hardwired to be trainable and commandable. So it's nice to see people that kind of upend what we've seen so far in the clone wars. 
Yeah, and like another trope is you have the biggest guy being afraid of the smallest things, like height. <laughs> sure. he, he just has a problem with gravity. Yeah, that's right. That's what it, that, that was his excuse, right? <laughs> and so now the thing here is they, I know, I get it. It's not as high of a height, I guess, but they did go up into a tower in the in this first episode. And now, mm-hmm. to me, it just kind of threw me off that now all of a sudden Rucker, Wrecker is afraid of the gravity, if you will. So, well, it, an awkward like rock spire thing that they're yeah. traversing there is a little more treacherous <laughs> than taking a turbo lift up to the top of a tower or whatever. So, um, I, I think he's a, a scaredy cat when it, it serves as a joke for the story, right? Like, I don't think we're going to have any great payoff to his fear of heights. No. It was just a, a fun little quip in the moment, but uh, more spice, more spice from fun characters. Now, unless he actually sacrifices himself and falls to his death sure. from a, a large height, <laughs> yes. then it's going to be a really big payoff and meaningful one. But I don't yeah. know if that's necessarily coming anytime soon here. Yeah, we'll see. Like if if he draws the short stick and has to go on a mission that involves him like scaling a wall and he's like, I have a bad feeling about this. Mm-hmm. This isn't my forte. And he does it anyways for the betterment of the team. Uh, yeah, if that does him in, that would be very poignant. But who knows? We'll We'll see where the story goes from here. And, of course, we get this classic Clone Wars and even Star Wars comedy. I mean, especially the this prequel era had this kind of comedy where the elevator door opens sure. and there's a whole army of droids here right when they're saying that this is a stealth mission. But what this serves to do is, once again, we get this, this show off of what the Bad Batch can do. And then, of course, shows these kind of these droids that are stationed around protecting this algorithm being transmitted out to all the droids across the galaxy and basically predicting the attacks that the, mm-hmm. that the Republic is going to have. And so I, I really enjoyed this portion. And of course the payoff we get at the end and what this is all is leading to, it seemed once again, kind of very 1980s aliens where the team splits up and they're kind of, there's an attempt of getting picked off one by one here. Right. Yeah, obviously they they can still cut down these droids like they're nothing when it comes right down to it. So I wasn't feeling so much peril in, in these scenes because even though these droids are a little more souped up than your your typical like infantry droids, they didn't pose that much of a threat. So this is fun, but I find that I grow a little tired of just cutting down droids when they've set up so many interesting things that I'm just waiting for the payoff. I want to see echo. I'm glad that the show delivered. Um, but this whole section in here where it really was just, uh, you know, let's check behind this door. Let's check behind that door until they get to the door, you know, that matters. Uh, I could honestly care less, but I'm glad that we found the door. So, uh, I'll throw back to you for the climactic scene here. And of course they do get to that door that matters and (laughs) tech is able to release echo from his imprisonment and man he is all sorts of messed up kind of reminiscent of uh darth vader in the future here yeah he's got cybernetic implants and legs and uh yeah you can tell that he was just patched back together from almost nothing Mm -hmm. and uh you you get the sense obviously that he's hardwired into the system and that they're able to you know extract this stuff from him uh, without him being able to really uh, oppose it because it looks like they're dialed right into his mind. The one thing that I want to say about the scene, aside from, you know, the reveal that yes, Echo is in fact alive and okay. So, you know, where do we go from here now that we've got him back? Um, the thing that I thought was really stark and really impressed me about the scene was first off how foreboding it was the way that they framed like the door opening and like what's actually going to fall out. Uh, even just the way that that whole area was kind of staged and dressed, it had 
it had some horror elements to it, but it also had something almost like out of maybe like Metropolis or some, yeah, there was some aesthetic there that was really interesting and something that I think ties into the fact that we know that, uh, Watt Tambor was, uh, I guess this was maybe his facility or or his tech in there. And it kind of has that same look. (laughs) It's hard for me to really peg exactly what it was, but I just found it so interesting to look at that set and how well it served the, the foreboding feeling of what are we going to find? And, is echo beyond recovery and like, what have they done to him? And there's just so many questions that come out of that, that I felt like the scene just served it so well. And then another thing that is posed here is like, is echo really safe? Is he really saved? Right. Is he safe himself? Sure. Like what's going on with him is, is disconnecting him from this transmission actually eliminating him as an asset for the separatists, or is there going to be more that plays out here? And this is mm-hmm. another reason that I'm thankful. I don't really, really remember those, <laughs> those first, like, you know, proof of concept, uh, things that they released a couple years ago. Because now I'm going into this, I'm like, oh, I have no idea what's going to happen, and mm-hmm. this is great, and uh, and I and I so look forward to this because now it, it gets me, you know, speculating like, okay, if I'm Anakin, and this is someone that you know, because we we had this theme where the Jedi actually care about the clones, they don't necessarily view them as disposable, right. And, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan and the rest of this team, I mean, they were kind of saved in this Citadel by Echo sacrificing himself. So the fact that that Anakin knows of this individual and is close to this individual, this could definitely make me, especially if I'm as rawly powerful as someone like Anakin Skywalker, I'm definitely tracking down Trench and I am just executing the whole team that had anything (laughs) to do with Echo doing this, which we know is not the Jedi way because revenge is not the Jedi way. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> War blurs those lines now, doesn't it? Um, yes, yeah, sometimes you have to become the villain to be the hero. Uh, yeah, so more questions and answers, but we hit a milestone here. We found out that, yes, indeed, Echo's alive. He was being used for the nefarious purposes that we thought. And is it safe to bring him back? Is it safe to disconnect right. him? Is there anything recoverable about where he's at you know is he even technically alive like they just they've just uh they've really wet my appetite and uh i just feel like we're we're building some steam here we've had a couple fun adventures with a whole lot of cutting down of droids but now the intrigue is starting to take over from the action and that's i that's what i love and uh, i can't wait to see where we go from here yeah, and we're definitely getting closer to Ahsoka and whatever mm. her confrontation with Maul is going to be, which, man, I am so looking forward to. And I really want them to explain. I hope they do it. They have such a great opportunity because we've been teased, and I brought this up last week, we've been teased with this idea that Mace Windu is kind of working well with Anakin. Like, we just right. the interaction they had on this military base that they that's on the edge of the Outer Rim here we have Mace Windu not necessarily questioning Anakin Skywalker here. So I want to mm-hmm. see Anakin do something. I want there, I want this direct conflict to come about because I want to know why Mace Windu is all up tight about yeah. Anakin Skywalker. How does Anakin sow the seeds of mistrust that uh, cause Mace Windu to not be willing to extend him any benefit of the doubt during revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe they will directly address that head on. We've got 10 episodes and a whole lot of story to cover. So I don't know if that's where they're going with it, but Hey, it, it's certainly one compelling thing that we could explore in these next 10 episodes. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, this was a good one. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to get 
to the rest of this season. But while people eagerly await other episodes of Star Wars TV Talk, where can they find you, John? If anyone enjoys SNL, they've probably already heard me uh, do my little spiel here, so I'll keep it short and sweet. I do the SNL podcast, SNL After Party. You can find it in all the podcast players and also at snlpodcast.com. We're going to be releasing our coverage of this weekend's John Mulaney hosted episode. He's a, a great returning host, former writer at the show, and he always turns in a great episode. So I'm excited to break that down. And if anyone else is excited to hear about that sort of thing, check us out, snlpodcast.com. And you can keep up with the show throughout the week on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and by emailing us at hello at Star Wars TV Talk.com. You can find the rest of our shows online at Star Wars TV Talk.com and by searching for Star Wars TV Talk wherever you get your podcasts. And please do not forget to leave us a five star review. You can find more awesome TV Talk podcasts at TV Talk.fm. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you always.